it's that bad, it's, it's actually funny. It's that bad, it's actually funny. Like, what are they doing up there? Is it, you know, there must be, I, I don't know what they're doing up there, you know? It's, I've got this thing about, you know, that, that circus music going on in the background and, you know, streamers and, and stuff. There must, there must be something going on when a Roosters player gets hit high. show in town today that's going to knock your socks off. It's an entertainment the likes of which have never been seen this side of the stratosphere. I'm talking about all singing, all dancing, top hat twirling, moustache twisting, mad capery, topless toilet twisting tomfoolery, and acts of sound bar sellingly sublime stupidity that will boggle the funny bone and tickle the mind. The circus has come to town. I'm your master of ceremonies, Dennis Carnahan, joined here by Chris Coco the Clown Gale, and with death-defying bravery and idiocy on the high wire and controls, we have Redfern, he didn't mean to hit him, Pat, and we barely need to fire up, because the Rugby League world has been set ablaze since Friday night's show! So join us as we sit back in our chairs, feed up, scarfing popcorn, to review a weekend where the art that is rugby did not just eat itself, it feasted upon itself. After the previous weekend, the dullest, most dire and banal rugby league with a flagship 4pm Sunday match of the round on Channel 9 was outrated by a repeat of Mike Whitney's Sydney Weekender. Sydney Weekender on Channel 7. Channel 7, the sworn enemy of Channel 9. Channel 7 that stole cricket from Channel 9 and wants to steal Rugby League in the new broadcast deal. But why does Channel 7 need Rugby League when it's got 27 seasons of Mike Whitney's Sydney Weekender to repeat endlessly and beat it in the ratings? Friend of the show, Philip Buzz Rothfield, who we all know to be fair, unbiased, truthful and just in all things, described it as... An unprecedented ratings disaster! Now, Overlord Volandis got wind of this. Knowing the broadcast deal was up for renegotiation wasn't lost on him. The faceless and mysterious private equity AIs that run Channel 9 and 9 newspapers residing somewhere in a satellite orbiting the Earth as a consciousness construct got wind of this. Rupert, whose consciousness runs Rupert Vision and Rupert newspapers from a similar satellite orbiting the Earth, also got wind of this. This. Together, their response was as swift and brutal as a certain shoulder attack that blew up the world of rugby league even more than it blew up the face that it hit. And their response... They called in one of the greatest rugby league minds in the world. One of the greatest entertainers in the world. And he brought out the Book of Feuds. And what did he say? At my signal, unleash hell. So after the Knights Titans stinker on Thursday night, Friday night, they unleashed hell. They set the world ablaze. Chris Gale, what did Volandis, Channel 9, Rupert Vision and Rusty come up with for Friday night to save Rugby League? No laughing matter, Dennis Carnahan. That cabal put their very considerable heads together and they came up with a Rugby League game that has knocked the entire world off its axis. 
the reverberations are being felt around this continent, this hemisphere, this globe, when Sean's Nickel Clockstar came back to pilot the Canberra Raiders back from a 0-16 to 16 deficit to secure a 28-16 to 16 win for the Canberra Raiders over the New Zealand Warriors. Sorry, dare I say it, the Vodafone Warriors, so that Canberra is still alive and can launch an assault on the National Rugby League Premiership from the prized eighth position. I can't get my head around it. What a night. What a game. What a time for rugby league. What a twist in the tale. This is the, this is the brilliance of their narrative that all season the Raiders have been leading at halftime and falling apart. Leading at half over and over again, this repeated pattern. So they get us in. It's, this is like having a player who he's running straight and dummying but keeps running. He runs straight and dummies, keeps running, and he keeps doing it all game until the one time he passes and they're not expecting it. No one expected the Raiders to have a comeback win of all things. 16-0 down, 28 unanswered points. Rapping cutting sick. Oh, it was beautiful. It was so unexpected. And you know what the difference was, Dennis? Sticky didn't address them at halftime because he's finally learned in round 24. The worst thing he can do is talk to his charges at halftime, particularly because they actually had registered a try just on the shadows of the halftime siren. And so by Sticky absolutely saying nothing to the Canberra Raiders, your tilt <laughs> is still alive. It was a coaching masterstroke, the like of which we may never see again. I think he'd also worked out that when you're going to go into your team at halftime and say, Tomorrow is game day. It's a bit late. Right. So Ricky actually addressed them on the Thursday, and that was the biggest difference. Ricky has seen the writing. He's observed one of the game's great, the, the great poet of the game, the great lyricist of the game, and he's taken some of his advice. And I tell you, I was so emotionally spent come about, I guess, 7.50 on that Friday night I didn't b- even bother to tune into the eight o'clock fixture. Oh, was there a second game? Who was that against? Yeah, who, who was that between? Have you I got any ideas? Let's have to look that up. Just type Listen, I've got my app here, my rugby league app, League uh, Life. <laughs> says game three, Roosters, Rabbits. That'd, right, that'd who, be Pat's got- team. Did your team play, Pat? Obviously, I didn't see the game, but saw it was a good 50-point win, and uh, now we march on to the finals. <laughs> I did I did see, but what I did notice was they played the opener. I saw the opener on Channel 9. This was very theatrical, the opener to the game, the second game, because, of course, they don't play the 6 o'clock game. They don't play the 8 o'clock game. And the opener was full of the feud, the hatred between Souths and East, the hatred that goes back to 1908, Souths getting kicked out of the competition, how much the Roosters hate Souths, how much Souths hate the Roosters. And they kept showing footage of fights. Footage of, of stink, footage of blow-ups, footage of all-ins, and it was all so spectacular and exciting. And if you're going to build up a game with footage of fights between the two teams, what do you think's going to happen? Well, it's likely to explode. i got to tell you, this book of feuds thing, and I'll have something to say on that a little bit later, Dennis, but really the only thing that annoys me about the book of feuds is when they put up their pictures juxtaposed of Craig Wynn in Rabbitohs and Roosters jumpers. Because I don't know if you've seen Craig Wynn lately, but that guy played many, many years of rugby league and he's impossibly handsome for a man of his advanced years. And that's the only thing about the Southeast rivalry that really gets me going. He is unnecessarily pretty, isn't he? He is very, very pretty. By the way, um, I'm now looking at the score. Um, I, I want to understand if I can by looking at those results more than what happened. And there's actually, you may have missed this, there's a huge, huge story that came out of that game, which I'm surprised that we missed. Just the one? And I'm referring... Yeah, and it's the fact that Nosy Nichols scored two, two tries. I know, two try hero Nosy Nichols crossed the line twice within a few minutes. This is like all it's- the South fans are calling him the GOAT. Not again. We go back to good looks. This is, he's one of the best looking players in rugby league, and he's gone the double. 
And one of his mates made what one would argue is an extremely safe bet many, many years ago saying, if you ever score a double in rugby league, I'll tattoo your player number on my body. And he's actually going to do it, do the old goat tattoo with uh, Nosy Nichols' player number. But uh, if you do leaf through the Broad Streets and the tabloids, Dennis, it seems like there was another issue that no. might have got a little bit uh, of dominance in terms of the column inches. Am I right in saying that? Oh well, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm happy to talk about Nogi Nichols for a couple of hours because <laughs> we did. We interviewed him on on the ABC the following day, and we played him the the audio of his two tries. And honestly, the innocent, the country innocence of his giggling as he listened to himself scoring tries. Oh, 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 it was just, it was beautiful and heartwarming. I'm assuming the other narrative in the game was that heartwarming and beautiful as well, Chris. No, it really wasn't. And that, of course, was the extremely unfortunate uh, contretemps, dare I say, collision between Latrell Mitchell representing the Cardinal and Myrtle and Joey Manu representing the Tricolours in the second half, where, well, let's face it, the fallout is considerable. Poor old Joey Manu, extremely, another really good looking man. Mm. And um, one will hope he comes out the other side of this remaining as good looking as he currently was or formerly was. Uh, he's uh, suffered some uh, uh, really, really difficult facial injuries, which are being repaired pretty much as we speak. Uh, he's out for the rest of the season, as is the uh, perpetrator, uh, Latrell Mitchell for the Rabbitohs, um, who um, came to execute a cover tackle. And as they said, it's a fine line between right and wrong. And unfortunately, Latrell ended up on the uh, wrong side of the fine line. And he got hit with a grade two reckless, uh, took the early plea, and has gone for six weeks and therefore gone. For the finals, and with many, uh, Redfern Pat being an honourable exception, they can't see a Blake Taff-led premiership <laughs> from the number one for the Rabbitohs as a result of this collision. So that there has been a lot of column inches written about this. I'm just looking through now. There's dozens and dozens of articles. So has it, my big question is, what sort of gate is it? Is this is it Latrell gate? Is it shoulder gate? Is it is it Rooster's gate? Is it Book of Fuse gates? I, I haven't seen what sort of gate it is. So it's hard to get a, a grip on it. Without the gate, can we go through the script? Can we go through perhaps? Can we go through the cast of the story first? Who was the in the cast of the story? Well, obviously, there's been a lot of focus on Latrell and Joey, and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think we need to dwell too much on this. I'm certainly of the school that I don't think. The modern rugby league player goes out to 1980s style maim the opposition. And uh, can I just say Latrell's got to get it out of his game in order for us to be able to say in the future that's not his go. And we certainly wish Joey a speedy recovery. But it seems to me what really has caught my imagination, Dennis, are the supporting cast mm. that's involved here. I mean, there's all sorts of controversy raging in the press, in the press about the performance of the Roosters bench. Uh, we might come to that. But I, I want to talk about winners and losers. And I think for me, Dennis, there's been no greater winner in this entire fiasco, fast, farago, whatever way you want to look at it, brouhaha, than Corey Parker. Corey now, Parker, of all people. News, News Limited finalised its, its poll the other day. Some 27,000 league fans expressed how they felt about things. And we talked about last week about the crisis that we've got about Matt Thompson being Mr. 2%. And mm. I don't think we've moved the needle there as Rams hurdles towards retirement. I mean, I how did, can he top I did his- notice last week because we were doing the Channel 9 game, we had the Channel 9 coverage, and his head has begun to appear on screen. And I've actually noticed a few people saying, I haven't seen his head before. So I'm wondering whether Channel 9 are listening to the, the podcast. I'm not. I know they do. 
And uh, so if we're trying to get something done there, they actually also published the results for the best or most favourite analyst. Mm. And let, let me tell you, Corey Parker was not in the top 12. Neither was Braith Brandy or Flano. But Corey Parker has reinvented himself because, let's face it, he knows very little about the game. And no wonder he's not in the top 12 in terms of analysts. But he was like, if you can throw your mind back to Peter Arnett on CNN back in 1990-91 in Baghdad reporting from the front, Dennis, in the Iraq war, he sort of built that cable station off his own back and shoulders and that tremendous work. Corey Parker was in the trenches at every point that evening. First of all, he was down on the benches reporting in and he's talking about the likes of JWH and Victor Radley and Angus Crichton, nostrils flaring, ready to go. There was words being exchanged between Roosters officials and sideline officials. And then Corey then moved into the press conference, which we'll talk about later, and was putting the searching questions to the coaches involved in this imbroglio. What a hero. This is the making of Corey Parker. Don't expect him to be seen anymore as a sideline analyst. Expect to see him front and centre replacing Bolts Hadley on the 360 desk. And I look forward to that. That'd be fantastic. Because after all, he, he's got a little bit of George Clooney in the hair. He always has had yes. that. He's, 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 not an, he's not an unattractive man. He's well built. That, that movie about Edward Morrow that Clooney made, I think you can see Corey in that, a remake of that. Absolutely. I've previously mentioned on this very show about how he came into the ABC booth and discussed how disappointed he was and exactly what he would have done had Tom Dravoyevich run at him in State of Origin. And I, I felt like I'd rather have Corey on my team than be personally trying to run at him. So maybe, maybe it's a great thing for Corey. You're saying that Corey was embedded? Yes, he was absolutely embedded. Mm. Like, like, in fact, at various points during the game, he was actually wearing Roosters and South's hoodies so that he could sort of blend in and, and, and get the scoop on what was happening. I tell you, another winner I thought during the night was Fletcher Baker's head because when <laughs> Latrell scored that try later in the game, the game. Oh. He was a couple of centimetres away from probably joining Joey on the sideline because that Steeden was moving at a considerable velocity That's and could have done a bit of damage. So <laughs> Fletcher Baker can count his lucky stars on that particular incident as, as the thing just seethed and seethed and seethed, didn't it, Dennis? Oh, it did. It was fantastic. I'm actually picturing Corey Parker in a, in a the sky blue helmet with CP on the side. Or be, I think it would have suited him nicely. So he was there. He was on the bench. Now, the bench itself, this is it's one of the main characters in this play. There was so many on the bench with so much activity. Now, have we identified who was on the bench, who was yelling at whom? Have we got any of this worked out? Well, can I just say that... No greater a authority than Andrew Abdo, Abdo has gone into the press today and said he was disappointed with the lack of professionalism shown by the Sydney Roosters. Goodness. And Jiminy Crickets, Dennis, lack of professionalism. When is that ever associated with the Sydney Roosters? Ooh. But we've already mentioned some of the aggrieved players. At one point, you can see some of the images of JWH doing a standover tactic on the sideline, glaring at Latrell Mitchell and then barring, allegedly, Latrell's entry into the home dressing room, perhaps, to try and make reparations with Joey. But you've got the broader uh, entourage of Roosters officials there. Now, there's allegations. Originally, it was an unnamed Roosters official, but it's been upgraded from accidental to reckless that no greater illuminary than Coach Trent Robinson himself was, has been alleged to have described at half time and therefore lighting the touch paper, in my view, for what then transpired. Came to Jaden Seward that he's a thug. a thug, and you can see 
you can see footage because, you know, Jaden Sewer is not used to being called a thug. Well, not no. during games anyway. And, and uh, Robbo is point blank denied that he called Jaden Sewer a thug. I do know he hasn't point blank denied talking to Jaden Sewer at halftime, but certainly they didn't call him a thug. Now, a uh, 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 friend of the show, Chris James, former uh, member of the NRL officials, I think refereed more than 200 first grade games, but now part of the Roosters cabal. He's had fingers pointed at him suggesting that he was might have been saying uncomplimentary things to various NRL officials during the game, including backup referee Matt Chechen, who at one stage decided to change seats. I'm not saying those two events are connected. And I do want to send a shout out to Chech, who is actually a friend of the show, having been on fire up in years gone by, announcing his retirement today. And that's just a huge blow to the refereeing ranks. I'm sure you'd agree. I'm devastated by that. I have I have messaged him and wished him all the best and goodness, going to miss him terribly. And the fact that he's 48, the fact that he's not just a child is a wonderful thing. The fact that this this is the man, this is the people's hero. This is the people's hero who sent Cameron Smith from the bin for the first time, to the bin for the first time. And, and such a great humanitarian as well. Like you see him at the games and he's friendly and he speaks in a, in a polite manner. He, he treats them like three-year-old children and says, no, no, fellas, fellas. Like he's, he's, he's going to be a tremendous loss to the game. Did you, do you know he was asked today what his legacy was? He said, I was the first referee to actually shake hands with the players. I mean, what's, what's been, what's been wrong with rugby league prior to that? I saw that. I saw that. And his legacy is I sent Cameron Smith to the sin bin. That, that is clearly his legacy. That's what the... That's what the songwriters will write their songs about, as if they haven't already. And <laughs> if, you know, and of course you have, and then some good songwriters will eventually pick it up as they sort of uh, eventually they un- will. understand the legacy. Now, so Chris James, known in some cir- circles as Hornswoggle, uh, may have, and again, it's allegedly Dennis. I got no evidence apart from what's in the broadsheet and tabloid newspapers, which is good enough for me. May well have texted Horse Maxwell after the game that night. Casting very, very unflattering commentary towards the NRL and its officials. I mean, I go back to Andrew Abdo's words. Sydney Roosters, lack of professionalism. Oh, it's just really talk about knocking the world off its axis. See, I'm, I'm thinking like I have, I have reached out to Chris James today. And funnily enough, he hasn't replied to my text message. Everyone's um, blocking you. They all got Carnahan. That's the last person. I don't want to end up in I, another song. I do suspect that with Hornswoggle, if he was going to talk to anyone, he's more likely to talk to Fire Up than he is to talk to News <laughs> Limited or Channel 9. Um, you know, full disclosure, I sang at the man's 40th. He's, he's been a, a great help, I have to say. He was the MC that actually got me to play at the referee's function. So I'd be reaching out to him. He's, I have reached out to him a few times before. He's probably taking refuge in looking at those tapes at the moment. But can I just simply say is. that he's a perfect example of what is often talked about as the Roosters' way. I think we saw the Roosters' way <laughs> in full effect on Friday night. It really was. And again, voice of reason, Corey Parker said, if um, Perinara and I, you know, in Henry's defence, which is not a very popular place to be at the moment, you wonder whether the bunker, and God knows if there are circus music and streamers going on if, in that joint, <laughs> um, uh, whether he saw all the, the right angles. Uh, but uh, had Latrell been sent off rather than put in the bin for 10 minutes at, as Corey said, we might have all been a little bit more rational. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's really heartbreaking when the the end result of this sort of thing, Dennis, is someone, and you mentioned him in your opening, of the great Buzz Rothfield writes that uh, as a result of what happened on Friday night, we've lost a legion of kiddies to the game because their mums and dads won't let them play anymore. 
And yep. I certainly hope that that's not the case. Yeah. Robbo, he, so Buzz has come out and he's he's made that claim. And I also, I also noticed that um, Philip Ronald Augustine Gould has come out. And this is probably, you know, I was going to ask before where Grub fits into the pantheon of, of you know, uh, sorry, not Grub, of, of Thug fits in against Grub. Or dog, Germ. Dog, Germ, Muglair. You know, is it is it above or below? I'd say it's obviously it's not as bad as Muglair. There's nothing worse than oh, that. nothing worse than Muglair. That's just that's absolutely bottom bottom of the barrel. But but Gus came out and he said, "No one won on Friday night." Well, yeah, you know, this 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 puts us up there with it. It is a little bit in dispute of the fact of the the, the Rabbitohs were fifty and the 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 Roosters were twelve. Um, but I think what he's saying is rugby league wasn't the winner and. I think if you look at the column inches that Rugby League has got out of this, you'd be saying Rugby League has won big time. The, the, the move worked. It's, everyone's talking about it. Well, again, you know, the strings being pulled is suggested by the likes of Rusty and the Overlord and, and whatever, and no greater ascribe than Penrith booster Michael Shammer said on 100% footy last night. Apart from the fact that Joey Martin's <laughs> face has been caved in, this is good for the game. <laughs> there you go, Chambers. Now, so, but it wasn't just. So, you've got Corey saying that had it uh, had he been sent off rather than ten in the bin, it wouldn't have blown up. I think he's quite wrong because I think that the uh, the press conference didn't help. So, this is where the game has been set on fire, and Robbo has turned up. He's on and spoken to the Roosters board and said, "Do we have enough money for a fine?" At which Nick has raised an eyebrow and and Boris has just gone this little snigger. <laughs> Do I? And he's taken that as go and knock yourself out. Now we there's a little bit of audio we have here from the press conference. You could play that, Pat. Now, I tell you, I tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape, you know. <laughs> you know last week nothing went right. I mean, I had a rough. Um, they've changed. Two rules, two of the major rules this year, based on the bunker and the referees doing nothing about it um, on Roosters players. And you can say I'm playing up about a Roosters player, but... I mean, that's a story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all. Are you kidding? So poor old Robbo. He's getting no respect. He's had a bad weekend, and they keep picking on Roosters players. And did you know... I don't know if you noticed... There's a couple of pictures of him. God, he looks like what's that guy's name? Rodney, Rodney, Dangerfield. Well, he looks a lot like Rodney Dangerfield. It's funny, he even you, sounds like him now. It's funny you should say that. Look, I think that what's interesting to me, and by the way, this all comes with a price. It's not just the thirty thousand active fine and the ten thousand about to be activated fine that was slapped on the Roosters and Robbo by the NRL yesterday. The price that Robbo had to pay was apparently it was revealed on one hundred percent footy last night that he and Gus Gould had a one-hour conversation. On, sun- on Sunday about what had gone down. It was very amicable. But, but that's what happens if, if you blow up Deluxe. And there is a move to get Trent Robinson as the patron saint of our Facebook group, Blowing Up Deluxe, which we'd love you to join. Uh, he's had to pay a price. But I reckon the problem here is Robbo gets too much respect. Like, I just look at... <laughs> Our, your coach is, you know, incurred somewhere near the gross national product of Bolivia in terms of fines for press conferences. And Robbo just gets this wrist slap and Nick rolls out the checkbook. And it was alleged that Nick was in tears and couldn't get to sleep that night. He's sleeping very easy, let me tell you. That Robbo, because he's quietly spoken, intelligent, speaks French and wears a nice jacket, gets away with blue murder. Because 
What other coach targets individuals? Robbo, he goes Perinara. He goes Klein. In Anzac Day a few years ago, he goes Cummins. I mean, he sort of has this veneer, says he gets no respect, and then he is the personification of blowing up the Lux. And Nick just goes, can't blanch, Robbo. Knock yourself out yet again. <laughs> unlevel playing field. Tilted towards the Roosters. I'm getting angry, Dennis. Well, he did... He did this. This was the issue that Andrew Abdo, friend of the show, said as well. That had he not personalised it, if he sits there and says, "We have this problem, and here's the stats, here's the actual facts," they can't find him for you know saying the truth. But when he personalises it, is when he gets unprofessional. When he says it's this person's fault, what's this person? And and I've, as well as the circus music and streamers, he made some other comments. Pat, there must this must be something going on when a Roosters player gets hit high. In 2021, there must be something that distraction distracts them. It's like the twilight zone up there when when a Roosters player gets hit by. Can I just say, Dennis, this is the problem with Robbo. I mean, what modern rugby league player has any idea he's talk what he's talking about with the twilight zone? I mean, that was on back in the 60s, right? Rod Serling, these sort of literary references, and everyone goes, "Oh well, he's well read." not knowing what the Twilight Zone is, and then he gets away with blue murder. 40,000 should have been 240,000. Well, when I said to Pat, can you find the Twilight Zone theme, he went, what? Yeah. You mean like this is the vampire show with the five seasons? And, and I said, no, 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 diff- not, not the Twilight Zone, <laughs> not Twilight Pat. Dear Pat. With, with Robert uh, Patterson and Kristen Stewart. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So he, he thought we were talking about that, and, and that's what he thought. That, he thought maybe there's vampires in the bunker, maybe <laughs> There's romance between the vampires and there's werewolves and that's where the streamers come in. That's what Pat was saying. What a pity it wasn't. We would have had an excuse to play an emo band of some description, you know, instead of the usual claptrap we get away with on this show. Like Evanescence or something. There's so much going on there. It's, it's beautiful to hear. You can really hear the chip on the shoulder that everyone's out to get the roosters. He actually comes out and says everyone's out to get the roosters. He shows this oh, is the rooster way to be paranoid. Yeah. He goes, you know, I, I know people will say that I'm saying this because it's a Roosters player. Well, of course you're saying it because it's a Roosters <laughs> player and it's such a whinge. We're the most penalised team in the comp and we proved last week that's because you coached them to be that way, Robert. Uh, but, of course, beyond the issues with the refereeing and the bunker and, you know, crackdown, backdown, I think we identified this issue about three months ago. There was also how he felt about Latrell because you've got that odd juxtaposition that Latrell basically won two comps for the Roosters because, mm. let's face it, Cooper Cooper Cronk did nothing. Um, and, uh, you know, now one of their former alumni has sort of wreaked havoc on one of their current players. But there were sort of two voices expressed about this in the press conferences. And let's hear from Robbo first. Yeah, look, Latrell plays on the edge, you know, and that's what makes him a great player to watch. You know, he's a, he's a wonderful player. You know, you won't... Um, I can look at that incident and go, look, of course that's Latrell needs to get that out of his game. I'm not I'm angry at him for that incident. I'm not you know um, I absolutely love him and I was so frustrated at that point. He's just cost one of his good mates the rest of the season and fractured his cheekbone. You know, and that it's not on, you know, it, it really hurts. Well, that so that that's one thing. He's sitting there. He's saying that this is his former player has been coached to go out and <laughs> damage people by him. But then when it comes back, he's not happy about it. But what is what was the other voice saying about the incident? 
Are you, are you disappointed, um, Wayne, in, in Luttrell's uh, actions there? I mean, Trent was saying that he loves Luttrell, but he's got to get that part of his game out of his game. Well, what do you... What well, do you Trent's think? got a couple of those players himself that he coaches, so I don't know what he's looking over the fence at us for. We'll handle our own situation and we'll, we'll address it if we have to. I love hearing Wayne talk about that, and he's such a, a good Brisbane suburban boy, talking about looking over the back fence, gloriously suburban Australian. And it, it, it reflects me back. It makes me think back to, to Wayne's greatest film, Gran Torino, where you can just yes, picture terrific. him living in that, and, and that back fence is where he's looking. And over the neighbour's fence is where he's looking at, and there he sees JWH. And who else do you see? Victor Radley. And... Uh, Wayne makes a very good point that um, Robbo says, oh, it's, you know, because he's hurt a Roosters player. Had he been a Roosters player hurting a Rabbitohs player, oh, you know, it was an accident, just tackle went wrong, that's all it was. You can just hear him saying it. Well, I think over the last couple of years, uh, Luttrell and JWH and Victor all have the same number of charges and they're all coming <laughs> equal second behind Josh Maguire, who leads the field <laughs> by a comfortable margin. But what, what, the narrative amongst the Roosters fans, as you know, my community service oh, order yeah. involves me having to communicate it with them. So let's say it must have been a fantastic weekend on it, that chat group. It was a lively weekend, let me tell you. But they're sort of – it's interesting to hear the way they approached it because they said, thank – you know, they're saying Latrell's a grub, he's an animal, we hate him, get rid of him, he should be rubbed out, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go, thank God JWH and Victor weren't out there, they'd be charged with murder. So they're actually acknowledging that their two players are capable of heinous acts, but – uh, don't deserve any criticism because they weren't on the field to perpetrate heinous acts based on previous <laughs> indiscretion. It's a very, very difficult thing to unravel, Dennis. I find it really, really difficult. But that means but- they've also gone out to say that Latrell, everyone, most of the people are saying he didn't intend to break the cheekbone. Like, yes, it was, even if you say it's reckless, he's not intending to fracture a cheek. He's not intending to cause an injury. He wants to, you know, hurt him, belt him, make an expression, make an impact, but he didn't want to actually damage. Whereas they're saying their players do. They're admitting that their players (laughs) do go out there to damage. That is their function. That is why Radley and JWH in the team, it is to inflict damage on the opposition. That's what they do. And therein lies the hypocrisy. Another reason to hate the Roots. This whole episode is just a great, as we presaged last week, it's just a whole hour of more reasons to hate the Roosters. <laughs> I think the underline is it's all right to go out and hurt the opposition as long as you don't hurt the opposition. <laughs> but, but you know, Robbo's had his penance. He's been hit with the monetary fines. He's, he's spoken to Gus on the phone for an hour. Uh, the inquiries into the lack of professionalism the Roosters will go on. The Jaden Sur allegations remain to be resolved. Mm. But of all the things that Robbo said, and, you know, I, I won't for a minute say there weren't certain things that he said that I was entirely in agreement with, but there was something absolutely unforgivable and totally outrageous and unacceptable he said during that press, press conference. Um, you know, that and our, and our possession there to get it out to 24 to 6. And it was right there. We had it at 24 12. We had it at 24 12. He's kidding himself. Did you see who his roster was? Like, like you know, but for this incident, but they, they Latrell to get put in the bin, and the rabbits put on two tries when they had twelve men. I mean, come on now, Robo. So, so this was from the press conference. This is before he spoke to Gus. This is why Gus called because Gus has called and got. I love your maths. I love the fact that you think <laughs> twenty to six well, could have been twenty four twelve, and that you had them at twenty four twelve, just like Gus thought in last year's grand final. Grand final. We've got we've got Melbourne on. T- Currently down 28 mil, and we're coming with a wet sail. <laughs> uh, 
I tell you what, though, Dennis, it's uh, it's been a tough time to be a referee. We're we're losing Chesh. That's really sad. But I mean, you've got even more things to uh, reflect on in terms of the troubles referees have, don't you? Well, one of the the blights in the game. This is another thing, another blight that uh, that Robbo hates. He hates blokes lying down. Really hates when blokes lie down. It's it's not part of the roosters, even though they they do lie down a bit. And obviously, we're not going to suggest for a second. That Manu, the footage of Manu blowing up his face through his nose was quite astonishing. But there has been a raft of it this weekend. So many of them, so many players are, are playing the take. They're doing the soccer thing. They've looked at soccer, and so I've thought I'd to celebrate that. Revise an old favourite of mine. He's claiming he's the victim of a crusher here. He's holding the back of his neck, but he won't get to his feet. That's a penalty. That call's come from the bunker. It's a penalty. They're milking it, and the referee just stands there. The game's been refereed remotely, and that's not the way it should be. Well, you can tell by the way I use my falls. I'm a diving man with or without the ball. If I get touched up high at all, then I'll lie down till I get the call. But now it's all right. I'm no cheat. It's just a bit of gamesmanship. The referee didn't see me. Blokes are taking quick taps after getting a penalty by holding their head and then getting up taking a quick tap. Seriously, that is a bad look for our game. I was going nowhere, so I fell over. There's nothing at all. So that's taking a dive. Pretend I've suffered and earned a crusher. He's not even well. Santa's taking a dive. So you'd think from that that with players taking dives, players lying down with explosions in press conferences, you'd think pretty much that's it for the weekend. There's enough drama. But no, the off-field dramas continued. And this is one of the greatest joys of the fast that is rugby league is off-field. But the game has gone to the Dogs, the dogs who had their own on-field dramas, but they started the weekend. Even a few weeks ago, it started with some off-field dramas. Chris, can you talk us through? There's so much to unpack with the dogs. This is a team that's on bottom of the ladder, and yet, and yet they're filling. How can how can a team that's on the bottom of the ladder fill so many column inches with material? What have they got? Well, there's something about the blue and white, Dennis, that just is a trouble magnet these days, and it really has been a well, they talk about dog day afternoon. It's been dog day afternoon, morning, evening, you know, 
you know, <laughs> sunset any any time you like. And look, all eyes in the rugby league world were really quite bleary and exhausted after the goings on on Friday with that magnificent Ra- Raiders comeback plus that other game. Uh, revive themselves and um, sort of wipe the sleep out of their eyes and turn their attention to Redcliffe Dennis, home of the Dolphins tilt. Mm, yes. And Morton Daly Stadium. Now, do you know who Morton Daly was? Um, Morton Daly is actually a newspaper. It's the Morton Bay region, and the Daily is the newspaper. So that's who Morton Daly is. But what I love is that Morton is, in fact, it's it's quite often a Queensland word for a gentleman's genitalia, and it's one that Fatty Vorton loves to use. It's so and so. Oh, mate, so and so. And he had, like, he's describing the incident in the Broncos' first game against Manly, where a certain Donnie McKinnon he said, "Oh, yeah, Donnie pulls his Morton out." So to have, a, to have a field named Morton, it's quite beautiful. I like for weeks I've been telling you, oh yeah, Morton was a, a tremendous uh, Queensland player who played in the pre-origin era and was a very, very nippy centre three-quarter. And then I found out it was the local newspaper. I was very, very disappointed. But it was a magnificent doubleheader between the high-flying Manly Warringah Seagulls and the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, followed by... The In the Trenches Tackle Fest, which was the West Tigers against a error-riddled but dominant Penrith Panthers. Uh, yeah. And so I sort of settled down, said I'm going to cop my lumps at 4 o'clock, but at least I'll be able to enjoy the early fixture. And i got to tell you, Dennis, the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs put in. Did you see the game? I did see the game, and I was looking at the game, and I put in my own personal tips, I put the margin at 44. Um, the previous game, they'd given them a cuffing. And, they, and there was a lot of pundits saying that they are expecting the winning margins for the two games to be over 100 combined. Um, yeah, they were, looking, they were looking at the 94 points, right, which was the yeah. the two, the biggest combined margin for a Sunday game in the, in the NRL era or something like that. Yeah. All I know is the Tigers were involved both times. <laughs> were they on the winning side of the ledger either time? Oh, no. Sorry. No. Yeah, no. No. I guess not. <laughs> oh, boy. But I mean, there, there, was, there was drama within the game. Tommy Turbo, who scored a triple, triple try scoring Tommy Turbo, Tommy Turbo Travojevic, there's five T's. We need that um, alliteration uh, headline writer. Um, he had that ball where he kind, of, he kind of rolled it around his body and he rolled it and he let go of it and rolled it and pulled it over his chest and, and it was called a try. Yeah, he, he dropped it stone cold, pack of spuds, dot, dot, dot. But there is a pecking order in rugby league and we know that Tom Turbo sits near the top and poor old Jack Edrington sits at the foot of the table. So the video referees had a look and despite all the, the travails of Henry Perinara, Whoever it was says, I'm not losing my job, but I can't afford to get rid of me. I'm going to call that a try. It's purely because of Jack. And I have to say, Tommy, like I've often noticed that Daniel Tupo, who I'm an enormous fan of in the lacking in professionalism Sydney Roosters, doesn't smile much. He once banged, no. he, he once banged on four tries in a match against the West Tigers out at the old girl, i.e. Allianz Stadium. You probably call it the SFS. It's proper And name. he wouldn't crack it for a smile. And whether Tommy has got to be careful with his plate in his cheekbone at the moment, but he was he couldn't crack it for a smile or game. But again, and maybe it's because he likes to score or give more try assists than tries. I don't know what was going on, but you you felt that Canterbury was being hard done by, and there's suddenly four points to the bad. And then there was a particular incident, Dennis, that absolutely turned the game on its head. Ooh. Now, I will say, if a player's going to go out with braids 40 centimetres long down his back, occasionally they're going to get grabbed. It's, it's a fact of the matter. 
that's one of the harshest penalties against a player I think I've ever seen. Well, that, that's that's politically correctness gone mental. Political correctness gone mental. A penalty for hair pulling, and I'm sure there would have been commentators saying, "Oh, what would what would the boys in the '70s have made of this? What would the Tommy Radonikas have made of this? Would it hair pulling? Hair pulling?" It's Joe Stimson for the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, and I might be wrong here, but I think he's the nephew of Mark Stimson who played for Balmain back in the 90s. But uh, he's been done for hair-pulling, deliberate penalty, two points to Manly, six-point margins, dogs, things aren't going their way. Poor old Matt Dury's done his ACL and it all goes to pot. But there's a bit to unpack here. First of all, Political Reckless Gone Mental is a series on Netflix, I guarantee it, because I mean, I know you don't have much time, Dennis. You're a busy man. But I've been watching a bit of television in lockdown. I've watched the series Hacks about the aging stand-up comedian who forms a relationship with a Gen Z comedy writer and it's the generation gap about how they feel about things. And a good example is uh, they stop at a gas station. She goes, oh, could you get me a cup of coffee? And the, the young comedian gets out and stops and turns around and goes, do you have a reusable cup? She just goes... Get out of here, type of thing. <laughs> and even the uh, everybody's miserable and highly unlikable White Lotus, the one set on a Hawaiian resort where things go horribly wrong, is all about this political correctness issue. So Brandy's totally in the zeitgeist. Political correctness gone mental. And, you know, there's all sorts of echoes going on here. I mean, you know that last weekend saw the end of the streak, don't you, Dennis? As in the streaker who ran on the field naked, or do you mean the the... the- the big streak that's been going on, the, the, the consecutive games business. The c- consecutive game streak. You know which one I'm talking about, don't you? Well, the big one, the most important one. Yeah, right. The Cowboys finally got a win after they nine finally games. Win. Nine <laughs> ga- so they would have been 10 games straight without a win. <laughs> and Dearden, <laughs> and what was Dearden's streak? I think he's, I think he's one and 24 in his first great career or something like that, or two and 24. I, th- I, I mean- believe he's never won previously as starting half. When he's, when he's come off the bench, he's right. had one win, but he hasn't had a win as a starting player since mid-2019. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's, it's like a debate when Ronaldo gave the pass to Metcalf for his first try against the Tigers in first grade, and they go, how do you feel about that, given that it was just a gimme rather than you've actually earned the, your first try in first grade? Can you imagine go, I finally won a game as a starting half. Oh, that's really terrific. Who'd you beat? And he goes, St. George Illawarra. <laughs> I mean, and there was also something about Melbourne or whatever. That's right. Melbourne was set to break the streak of consecutive first grade wins held by the 1975 Sydney Roosters team, right? Right. And and there was something in the ether that didn't allow it to happen as Parramatta like, were revivified because, let's face it, they've been the walking dead. And they've actually beaten the Storm. And so the Storm was stalled on 19 games like the Roosters. Now, the Roosters went on to win the grand final in that year off the back of the high-flying three quarters, the likes of Russell Fairfax, Ian Schubert, Johnny Brass, who all had long, beautiful flying locks, right? Now, what happened after the grand final when they won the game at the old girl, the SCG? Well, there's that long, often spoken about legacy and legend that these long-haired gits, these long-haired hippies, these uncouth youths weren't allowed in the Roosters Club. Exactly. Not hair below the collar. You can't get into a Leagues Club. Even if you win as a premiership, you can't get in. Because we've got standards. Not like the 2021 Roosters who have a lack of professionalism and have no standards. (laughs) Nostrils flaring, standing over on the sideline (laughs) looking for a knuckle. But... I think Stimson and Sapow in some 
grand way of actually orchestrated a comment on that particular issue as the streak stalled and saying, where does hair fit in rugby league? Am I allowed to express myself? Is it allowed to be long? Now, I can see the argument, but Trent Barrett had a very particular view on this. Include the report on Joe for... The hair pull, yeah. yeah. Like, um, that obviously gave him a couple of points It does. As well. It gives him another two points and puts him, kicks him six clear instead of four. And um, Joe Simpson didn't, didn't... His hand got tangled up in his hair. He gets put on report, so they get a free interchange in the searing heat, which would have worked in our favour as well. And it costs us two points. It's not Joe's fault. Marty's got long hair. And it, I watched Trent Robinson's press conference the other day and I, I can see why he was so frustrated. I haven't got that good a rant in me, but... <laughs> so no, Trent- one's got a good, no one's got a good a rant in him as Trent. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll point to one Ricky J. Stewart. Um, <laughs> he doesn't mind himself. But I'll notice that Trent there, like, they're pretty much he's saying, he's confessing, I am blue steel. I have one yeah. mood. I can't give That's, a rant. And he was actually, uh, that was him saying, please find me. I'm trying to get fined. I'm trying to, and this, this is me having a rant. So could you, you know, like, uh, do I need to name the ref? I want I want people to think I'm a real coach. So, so, so he's right. He's right in saying it's not Joe's fault that Marty's got long hair, but it becomes an issue of how long can the hair be? It used to be not good enough for the Roosters League Club. And now Vossi somehow seems to know that Marty's braids are 40 centimetres long. <laughs> And, and and whether we actually have to, you know, Volandi style, introduce yet another new rule, given that Junior Pierce's seven tackles for the ball kicked dead on the sideline thing didn't fly. I think the Canterbury Tigers game this weekend at Morton Daly Stadium, 4.05 p.m. on Sunday, is the perfect opportunity to trial a restriction on the length of hair and see whether it improves the quality of the game. Now, we've had some feedback, and I think we need to bring in our feedback expert, Redfern Pat, on who had... Feedback on what I think is probably the most important issue in rugby league right now. G'day, guys. Uh, no no fact from for Janet Jackson just yet. We'll, we'll save that for later. We'll get to that later. Um, Terry Ball said, go woke, go broke, and win the game. And if you think about Manly's <laughs> finances over the last 20, 30 years, <laughs> that might be true. And if you're talking about political correctness, you're talking about common sense, we're better than the, the Fire Up Brains Trust. Uh, Emma Domini said that, like, with hair like that, he's asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Emma. Because <laughs> the feedback. What else has been happening to the dogs, Dennis? Uh, well, so that's that's the on-field business. The Hetherington boy who was involved in that tackle, he's been suspended a little bit, has he? Is he the one that gets suspended? <laughs> Yeah, I think he's 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 got he's got a few weeks off it during the last couple of years. I did see one um, sulky Bulldogs page that I know that suggested that um, Heatherington actually got suspended this weekend um, for, for sitting too close to the television to watch the Latrell Mitchell hit. So he's apparently <laughs> been reported for sitting too close. But that's beside the point. The the off field stuff that they've been up to. This is where the Bulldogs really come into their own because let's face it, they're duds on the field and. Yeah, we have had, this has been the ongoing plot line, the ongoing little side plot has been the affair between Elliot. And I'm thinking this Elliot boy, I don't know if you remember the 1970s Australian cinematic classic, Elvin Purple. I like, certainly do. I can't help but wonder if Elliot is in fact a bit like Graham, like, like Elvin himself in Elvin Purple, that people just keep throwing themselves at him. He's he's probably trying to stop this from happening, but they just keep... Because I noticed that with the, the, the Elliot Boyle affair, 
they had said, we just, we just went to the bathroom for a kiss. It's now come out that it was the men's bathroom. And I think what's happened is that Elliot's just gone in there and Millie's followed him in. She's followed him in. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. This is Elvin Purple and there's women just throwing themselves at him. Did you see the sequel, Alvin Rides Again? <laughs> yeah, but I was quite drunk. I don't recall. He, he, sh- he shouldn't have. And then the ABC, <laughs> that, that lefty loony unit, did a TV series which ran with uh, his best mate Chris Hayward on a Friday night and there was rampant nudity on a Friday night. And as an adolescent at high school, I was tuning in. I think it was like a, the magic trilogy of Pot Black, the, the Dave what – was, what was the Irish comedian? Dave – Oh, da- the Irish oh com- yep. Dave Allen. Yep. Dave Allen and Alvin Purple. Thank you. God bless me. God go with you. <laughs> Here's the church. <laughs> Here's the oh. – <laughs> Absolutely tremendous. Because, yeah, there are layers peeling off, including Adam's shirt in this particular incident as more news comes to light. And the questions have been raised that apparently Millie and Adam were in a cubicle where they had to get a key to unlock the cubicle. I don't spend too much of my time in public toilets, but since when do they have locks on the doors? That's well, what I want to know. You've got the engaged and and unengaged sign, like the green come in and the red yes, that says engaged, disengaged. disengaged. You've got occupied, 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 unoccupied. You've got that little thing. But normally, that's just a screwdriver. So you cannot open it from the outside, but just inserting a screwdriver. Now, perhaps they were talking about the key as the screwdriver. They didn't want to, the bar said, if, if the bar had said, go and fetch a screwdriver for the toilet, they would have thought, then Adam. <laughs> was just wanting another vodka and orange to get on with, and so they had to call it a key. Was it perhaps that Elliot went in, and then Millie Boyle's like, oh, that's Adam Elliot, I want to go in as well, so then she had to get the key to override the engaged. <laughs> as I said, there are layers upon layers on this, and and, and at the moment, uh, Canterbury Bankstown CEO Aaron Warburton still has his hands metaphorically poised in the air, clutching Adam's contract, so we don't know whether it's going to be torn up, but... Uh, well, I can I can reveal, you know, thankfully, amongst all the madness that's going on, I did notice that um, friend of the show, where is he? He's actually used the correct nomenclature. Um, Brent Reid, he'll be given a week to respond to the breach notice. They'll go out, go outline their options, obviously sacking him or fining him. He'll be given the chance to front the board, most likely uh, after just a week, to argue why he shouldn't have his contract torn up. Thank you, Brent Reid. And the the narrative continues. Justin of Earlwood, who's a contributor to the show on many occasions and greatly appreciated, sent us a copy of the apology issued by Willie Iser from the Mm. Wigan Warriors. And it's not a patch on Terry Bull's pro forma. Like, it really doesn't cover it, though it does bring in the adrenaline defence, as adrenaline does flow. And maybe if uh, Latrell had seen that, he might have uh, had a crack at downgrading the charge. But I thought the interesting uh, coda to this was Principal Canterbury Bank's town sponsor, Arthur Laundy of Laundy Hotels had this advice for Adam. He needs to give the grog away. He's got that gene in him that doesn't help when you're drinking, though that gene in other people has made me a many times millionaire. So, you know, it's interesting when you get advice from a pub proprietor about you've got to give the grog away. You must be in a bit of trouble. There's not just Adam Elliott and, and Millie Boyle, the Adam and Millie show. There's, there's more. And this week we've previously featured another um, Canterbury Bulldogs 
Star, and I used to brain snapper. Star, the brain snapper. <laughs> the brain snap. And this one, this one fully blows my mind. This one is just you would never, you know. Like I said, I've, ri- I've tried to write a musical. I don't need to make up stories. How this one happened? This is absolute madness. So the, the NRL has given each of the teams a little, like a boombox kind of thing, a speaker with an amp, so that they can give presentations. Because you're in hotels. They need a little PA so that they don't have to yell at the people, even though the coach's job is basically to yell at their charges so that they can have this. Now, what did, Alan, what did uh, Lachlan Lewis decide to do with theirs, Chris? Make some money off it, Dennis. And let's face it, he hasn't got a contract next year, so things aren't looking too good for Lachlan. And, I mean, there's just that much you can do about talking about the time that I threw Cody Walker to the ground at halftime or the, the time <laughs> I chased Sam Walker down the other end of the field because he feared being thrown to the ground like Cody Walker. So he thought he'd make a little bit of coin by putting the alleged soundbar, and it's it is murky as to what the equipment actually was, uh, on eBay, and make a lazy five hundred bucks. Now, of course, Lachlan has said it's a joke. Uh, Canterbury Bank Sound have said you're stood down, join the queue. Uh, <laughs> it's right that you highlight the fact that he's described as a star. When I saw the Fox League posting saying Bulldog Star pulls Marty to Power's hair and clicked on it and found out it was Joe Stimson, I said, well, that's a stretch. A little bit like Marty's braids. And uh, this matter will be investigated, but that may well be the last NRL game that Lachlan plays, certainly for the Bulldogs. Let's hope not forever because I kind of like the kid. But I did do a bit of investigation, Dennis, mm-hmm. and guess what else oh. is posted if you go eBay and search Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs? Wooden spoons? Yes, everyone's highlighted that there's a, a wooden spoon to be had. Um, there's a whole lot of 80s memorabilia when – uh, about the dogs of war because the current players don't want to be reminded anymore that the Bulldogs <laughs> used to win football games. So you can get all sorts of posters and Paponis Memorial jerseys and, you know, commemorative Mortimer Port and all that sort of rubbish. Uh, there's excess garden furniture from Baz that he bought across from Narrabeen <laughs> to, to Belmore and it's just been cluttering up the uh, bubble up there on the Gold Coast. So the boys thought they'd get a little bit of coin there. And uh, interestingly, some uh, hair dye with a label on it marked Gus Gould because I think Gus has finally decided no longer to use it. So if you want to get a bit of Canterbury Bankstown memorabilia, get on eBay, Dennis. And uh, it turns out that uh, there are all sorts of things that you can get on eBay. Oh, yeah. Here we go. People ask me, Slavka, where'd you get those shoes? I tell them, eBay, eBay. People ask me, Slavka, where'd you get that jacket? I tell them, eBay, eBay, eBay. eBay, eBay, eBay. Stripper versus stripper. It's looking to determine if Campbell Graham maintains position. That's a of contest. The Could be a good movie. <laughs> Just wondering why you came up with that. Well, one bloke stripped and the other bloke stripped it back. Okay. That makes it stripper versus stripper. <laughs> What's wrong with you? So, what had Ray and his listeners so fired up? <laughs> Next question. 
can't tell you the truth, I can't tell you the, the, the way that game panned out because I'll get fined. So um, I'm not going to answer any questions. I've done my job. Thanks. Truly one of the one of the worst things I've seen on one of the worst games I've sit through, one of the most disappointing and and it's a fifty point fifty point win. That was that was real tough. There was no joke there. That was that really stinks. But Yeah, yeah, I, I feel for you, Pat. <laughs> so do I as we struggle to try and not finish in the Tigers position when the Tigers are finishing beneath us. Uh I actually I haven't had a drink in nearly two months. Waiting for the finals. And Who go- are you? Going to take some time off in the finals and be like, you know, South's ready to climb to the summit, but um, you know, different kind of drinking now. Well, can I just say? Can I just say before? I should have said it before. The person who should shoulder all the blame for you it's Russell Crowe. This bloody book of feuds, like the feud between your boys and the Roosters, is the most significant thing in rugby league. It just puts people into that arousal state that Dennis talks about all the time. And Pat, I know he saved your team. I know he got you a 2014 premiership, but it might be time to tear up the book a la Adam Ellis' contract there. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. I'm going to say, Chris, you you held back there because prior to the show, you were saying that this whole book of few things is hubris between these teams. It's total hubris. Hubris. It's total hubris. They're making the whole game about the roosters and the rabbitos. Get over yourselves. Get over Sorry, yourselves. Pat. There's Sorry, 14 Pat. other teams. Can we get them yeah. to play every yeah. Friday night? Can we get the Roosters and Rabbitohs every Friday? Well, that's yeah. Well, that's what the league wants. <laughs> anyway, I knew that it was such an ugly incident when my source of news, uh, 360, got upset about it. Jared Weir Hargreaves was prowling along the sideline. He was incensed. This had a real flashpoint feel to it. It could have been a really horrible, horrible moment. And I know 360... Don't like ugly incidents on the sideline. That is, of course, until they do. Adam Blair and Glenn Stewart just went at it, and now we have the infamous Battle of Brookie. And- it was great. <laughs> and that, and that, that night at Brookvale 10 years yeah. ago, was it? Yeah. yeah. I was sitting up in the, the press box that night, and it went off like a box of crackers. Oh, the, be- the hypocrisy is so beautiful. And it's important for, for people like me, because I get all my news from 360, um, I am, uh, no joke, I'm a big fan of Ash Taylor. I hope that he's not uh, lost to the game. I was a little bit upset when South signed Milford, mostly because uh, Ash Taylor would be a good pickup for a little bit of coin. And Paul Kent's got a, a theory about how he could possibly turn his career around. But Ash is a guy who's, who's got confused about what his football is. He doesn't know what his game He's like, remember him, Baker Finch, just completely lost his golf swing. Completely lost it, and and the more he tried to work on it, and, and he actually got to a point towards the end of his career where he had to admit to himself that he he will never get it back because he's so far removed from where it was, he's forgotten what it was. And and Ash is a bit the same. Ash is, to me, he's got, it's got to be like Rocky Three. He's got to go. He's got to go back to a stinky old gym, train hard, and find the eye of the tiger, and get that hunger back inside him. I love the fact this this. I noticed this on the weekend because it did get to watch a little bit of Channel 9. And when Matt Thompson was talking to Gus Gould. and the, the, the guy, the, Mr. 2%, sorry. Mr. Oh, 2% right, was talking, of all people, was talking to Gus Gould. And they were, tr- golf analogies came up. Oh, mate, it's like my, you know, like my swing with the five. Like that. 
we, we, we don't know enough about rugby league. So, you know, we'll take it to something people do understand. Golf. <laughs> we'll use that to explain rugby league. Because golf and rugby league have so much in common. And everyone knows golf. Everyone knows for, all about golf. Yeah, yeah. For those who aren't aware, Rocky Three is part of the award-winning ESPN documentary series 30 for 30. And uh, I can simply only comment that I have the Tiger originally by Survivor, hasn't done so well for us. But anyway, take <laughs> well, it on board, version, Ash. Because you've got the version by Mark Williams. And Mark Williams, is it's, it's a wonderful version. It's a wonderful sounding version. But gee, the lyrics are rubbish. Sorry, carry on, Pat. I've, se- I've said this before. <laughs> I will get out. I've got an audio cassette of the Sydney Tigers stripes across my heart. We have to get that digitized and get <laughs> that on. Before the end of this season. Get it to mm. me. Um. I was left confused by Paul Kent saying that Ash Taylor needs to work on his golf swing and, and potentially do what a fictional character did in a movie. And I, and I think there's only one explanation as to why he would say that. There's not a lot of football intellect in that room, to be fair. That's Paul Kent describing the 360 studio. And I do normally, I do normally get all my news from 360... Uh, but uh, we have been talking a lot about about uh, Fox Sports versus Channel 9. And I think mm. more and more people are sort of jumping back to Channel 9 as something new. I know Michael Maguire actually jumped back to Channel 9 and this is his take on it. Did you see episode four last night, Pat? I did. What's the main thing that we know about the West Tigers? Uh, I'm not sure. The West Tigers are always in a game. West Tigers are always in a Michael Luckin game. That is, except when they're not. Don't Boys, we're not going to fucking leave. Let's go. That would be Captain James Tarwo saying, we're not going to win the game anyway. That, that was the halftime address when we were down 40 blot at Sunshine Coast Stadium to the Melbourne Storm. And... It was Moses Embai, who's sadly departing us at the end of the season, who seemed to step up and do the major motivational speech. And he left Madge in his dust for the number of Michael Lucks he was able to get into a 60-second spray. It was extraordinary. Michael, his name, Moses Embai, it's M-apostrophe-B-Y-E, is it? Mm-hmm, I correct. think you'll find that that's, it's a contraction. And it's- yeah. <laughs> It is, in fact, <laughs> Moses Michael Lucking by. That's yeah, McKinby. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing being the last of the series that they look to the future because that's all we can do, and they had the computer-simulated rendition of the Tiger Centre of Excellence, which, by the way, gentlemen, will be a community asset. <laughs> and so they've done all these graphic re- renditions of, like, Tigers on, you know, gurney tables getting rehab and people walking through administration offices. And you know, generally when they do things about the future, it's dystopian. The Tigers are facing a dystopian future at the Concord Centre of Excellence. It was truly scary. I thought I was watching outtakes from the Andromeda strain or something. I was really, really scared. Dennis, would you like to adjudicate a Janet Jackson song fact competition? Oh, my life has been leading up to this. Who's, who's going first, Judge? Uh, I'm going to throw it to the challenger, Pat. Janet Jackson's nickname is Dunk, and it was coined by brother Michael because of a chunky build as a child. He used to tease her and say that she looked like a donkey. Wow. <laughs> and, 
and there was decades of therapy to ensue. Well, I promised everybody this would be given the regular seasons coming to a close unless there's popular demand, and I'm assuming there won't be. This is my last Janet Jackson fact. I went online and did the Janet Jackson trivia quiz <laughs> and, and, and I hit 14 out of 15 and the only one I got wrong was a multiple choice question about which video featured Cab Calloway, like Minnie the Moocher, yep. Heavy D of Heavy D and the Boys fans, and the famous handkerchief dance. Well, it's not that famous because I didn't know what it was. And it turns out it was the video for All Right. So I'm definitely going to hop on YouTube and have a look at that video. And thank you, Janet, for giving us the sting for feedback in Fire Up 2021. Well, let's just say, as judge, to adjudicate this, I'm going to put this out to the Fire Up, to those Fire Up Kodnashenti who've gone this far through the podcast <laughs> and have actually got to this point. They've suffered up to here. Your vote. I want to see some votes online in Blowing Up Deluxe or at Fire Up NRL on Twitter saying which fact you felt was the the, the, the most trivial. Not the best trivia, but the most <laughs> trivial. Carry on, Pat. So it's uh, Fire Up Captain Terry Ball. During the stricter lockdowns that the players are having, obviously we're currently in the strictest lockdown, he was talking about haircuts and the players were in strict isolation and were only able to cut their own hair. He posted a photo some time ago that Gus Gould had definitely had his hair done that day. And we were talking that, like, well, he couldn't have had his hair done because he's supposed to be in strict isolation. Mm. And then the case gets even deeper because you had this to say on Friday. That your crew cut looks good, guys. We all got a haircut tonight. <laughs> Graham, unable, unable to get to the hairdressers for months. He's had his hair cut and he's been unable to get to the hairdressers for months. So what was mm. doing when he had his hair done a couple of weeks ago? Home economy, Pat. You, you heard who's good with the Clippers? Christian Welsh, apparently. Is he? What is he good at? He's good he, at everything. He is. Seriously, if he's not the head of the NRL, the chairman of the Australian Rugby League Commission and the president of the Rugby League Players Association all at once in 10 years, I am a poor judge. And not only that, he'll be the, the first Labor Prime Minister in over three decades when he gets that's, elected. That's well, do you right. think that um, I, love, I love Christian Welch as well. Do you think that uh, getting through the cogs of government and being part of the Melbourne Storm, that he'll be one of these, go from one of these young ideological left-leading <laughs> people to like just being like a complete loon in 30 years? Yeah. Mark Latham style? The NRL poll said that the most loved team in the NRL right now is the Melbourne Storm and the most hated team in yes. the NRL is the Melbourne Storm. So I think he's the perfect character to emerge because he's able to handle both extremes. Anyway, friend of the show, David Stringfield, hit me up. And sorry, David, I think I might have pronounced your name at some stage, David Springfield. That's not my fault. I'm not very good at reading or writing, and I watch too much Simpsons, so I do apologize for that. And, I and also, got a, you think you have Rick Springfield, his uncle. I have Rick Springfield. And you did play Rick Springfield. Yes. Uh, and I, I do should not get these names wrong because I basically come on, laugh at people for getting names wrong, and then the second <laughs> half is me getting people's names wrong. <laughs> So I really, I really got to keep on top of that. But he said, uh, he showed me this video about Matt Thompson, aka Mr. 2%. Could you guys say any qualities that this guy has? If you had to describe him to someone without saying what he does or just describe him, him to people, what, does he have any qualities? 
Nothing? Um, no qualities? He... Well, it turns out he's got quite a sense of humour. If they signed Jeremiah Nano, that would mean that Jeremiah... <laughs> was a bulldog. <laughs> Nothing, nothing like a bit of blood, sweat, and tears humour. <laughs> well, they ha- they're putting him on air more. They're obviously they're listening to they're listening to fire up, and you should keep listening, boys. We'll fix you up. Um, just to cycle through uh, the rest of what we have, we did uh, we had friend of the show Roy in HG uh, comment <laughs> about Adam Elliott saying that no one falls in love faster than a rugby league player, and we really appreciated that because that meant that you're. Bachelor me with Adam Elliott was seen by a lot of people, so that was very much appreciated. I I love the rugby league fan. Oh, sorry, the not the rugby league fan. The opposite. I love the fire up fan. <laughs> Good, intelligent, hardworking, common sense folk. But the wider rugby league community, there is some absolute gun of it. See the stuff that people <laughs> post when it goes public. It's just <laughs> it's ugly. Matt Dillon did say about that uh, Adam Elliott issue that nothing says love like uh, a session in the Dunnies. Um, Matt Matt Dillon, as in this is the the actor who looks a lot like um, Ivan Cleary's boy, Nathan. Yeah, that's the one. Right. He follows the show uh, now. Uh, yes. I would uh, I would come back to the not the uh, uh, a sarcastic view of what Adam Elliott and Millie were doing with uh, that's the reason why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Cook pointed out that uh, Adam Elliott must be getting into the hot August nights. Yes, sir. Neil Diamond. Nice. Good on you, Cookie. Good on you, Cookie. Uh, what else have we got? We got, uh, Chris, you were talking about Nathan Cleary being the face of vaccination yes. with that mustache. And just some quick feedback on that. Uh, Mark Van Hathusen said, was he the before shot or the after shot of the vaccine? <laughs> fair, fair point. Ronson Blake said that not only is that moustache the face of it, but you also have the chin. He's <laughs> <laughs> the chin of anti-vax. I like He's it. He's the chin of anti-vax. And finally, Todd Slater said that uh, wouldn't it be better to, to use Nathan Cleary for his TikTok prowess and get to a different demographic? Now that the it's open up to the now yeah, it's open up to that demographic that we should be using Nathan Cleary's TikTok um, dexterity. I think that's right. If you get a Nathan Cleary. The weekend tie-up with the you know blinding lights pro vax, we hit that seventy yeah. percent target by the end of next week. Yeah, uh, that's that's all from me. Well, then let's go to Chris's kooky correspondence corner. So, just a couple of things that I wanted to bring to the table, guys. Some of the feedback Pat's already shared, but we're really really appreciative of all the participation, and it was really fun to have some of Pat's work be widely consumed this week. True friend of the show, Andrew Webster, what will be lost in all the, the hoo-ha and hubris of South East was a beautiful piece he wrote in the last Friday's Herald where a lot of people were perplexed how Kalamatungi from South got a two-week ban for a crusher on Naden in the South Penrith game. And here's some of the um, text that Webby received from the match review committee as to what happened. As player Naden goes to the ground, Player Kalamatungi forcefully applied unnecessary pressure to the head slash necks and spinal column of player Naden as he maintained his grip as player Naden lands on the ground. The MRC believe player Kalamatungi did not attempt to release his grip to make the necessary space for player Naden's head to be cleared in the tackle. This presented an unacceptable risk of injury to the player Naden who was placed in a vulnerable position. To which Webby replied, 
with the greatest res- of respect to whoever wrote this, what a load of jibber. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's the essence of Robbo's problem. Whoever wrote that, are they Gus's, Gus Gould's Twitter sub-editor? That's what, that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Tiger. Just, it, Panther. It, it, it was- Player. <laughs> that's, Player. I know. It, it, why not? Re- let's just call them that for future when we're talking about any of these players. Just, you know, <laughs> Player Elliot, Player Lewis. Well, they do that um, at Origin. They go, the Origin player. Yeah, they do. He has an Origin run. He's an Origin that's player. That's an Origin tackle. That's he's an Origin a, play the ball. He's a footballer. <laughs> So maybe it should be footballer. He's a footballer, that one. He's a footballer, Elliot. Then footballer Elliot took his shirt off and went to the day. As you do. And footballer Boyle followed him in with the key. I like the the uh, putting unnecessary pressure on the spinal column. The detail of the shirt coming off. I like that. Um, well, it, Pat, come on. How long's it? Obviously, you haven't passed in the cubicle for a while, Pat, because the shirt has to come off. You can't go to the cubicle and pass with a shirt on. It's, it's, it's like the opposite of coming in the front door at the Savoy, where you need to have your collar and tie. When you're passing in the dunny, you have to take it off. If, uh, if they said that they just got to first base, that's good enough for me. <laughs> but people are saying, like, oh, well, how can you think that they just did that? He took his shirt off. And, you know... I'm no expert in the matter, but I think that a male shirt is the least, like, you know, that's that's the last thing that, you know, that's the one bit you can leave on. <laughs> so, so, so you're, 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 you're harking back to your uh, first human body education you got in year five or something, Pat, you know. Like, you know. My, my first or my last? My last. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, uh uh, tip of the hat to Josh Morris, who announced his retirement at the end of the season after a storied career with the Dragons, Bulldogs, Sharks, and Roosters. He's announced with some of his mates that he's going to release a beer called Cattleman's Lager. It's mid-strength beer because he says we're all dads now, so we drink mid-strength beer. I thought if you're a dad, you have to drink full strength because you are a dad. You need to. And have, you need to. You've got a lot more to blot out. <laughs> and, and the other thing that came across my cookie correspondence desk was a terrific graphic from the Murdoch Press that is illuminated for all rugby league fans where things are now with the competition. It is headed the run home. Ooh. Storm, Sharks, Panthers, Eels, Rabbitohs, Dragons, Eels, Panthers. And so it goes. I really now understand that there's only one round to grow and I'm very thankful for that. So that's uh, what came across my desk this week, Dennis. Well, if that's the case, I might just I might call this meeting adjourned and say that the big top is closed. Thank you all for coming. No, 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 no. no but this whole, hang on, hang on. This whole episode I, has been. Do you have? Do you, are you no. saying that additional to what we had in the entire first segment, you have additional reasons on top of all that content? An additional reason? No. Please tell me you do. No, Dennis. I got a new segment. A new segment. I got a brand new segment, a brand and it's new called. Segment. A new reason to love the Sydney Roosters. <laughs> and fire up friend on Instagram, don't argue, at the Big Palm said, reasons to love the Roosters. Trent Robinson on the tee, driver in hand, Perinara gets set, hashtag about time. So that is a new reason to love the Sydney Roosters. And in an old segment, a new reason to hate the Sydney Roosters. Just go listen to the first 35 minutes of this show. <laughs> And with that, please, thank you for listening. Please join Blowing Up Deluxe on Facebook. It's growing, it's growing. Follow us, fire up NRL on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. And again, please leave a review. If you're if, if you, negative, positive, whatever, just leave a review. That'd be wonderful. And we'll see you all again next week as we fire up. It's that bad. It's, it's actually funny. 